Jordan, um, how's it going, first of all? Going well. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. And you know who else is going to be doing great? The listeners of this podcast, the Insurgents Podcast. Because, oh boy, howdy. Oh, yeah? Do we ever have a whole bunch of <laughs> sports chat coming up? I know it's the thing that the listeners crave. Everyone's oh. often... <laughs> Writing, emailing, uh, tweeting, uh, <laughs> what's the blue sky one? Skeeting. They're skeeting us about this. Skeeting. TikToking. <laughs> they say more sports. When are you going to yeah. talk more about this stuff? And I'm thankful to report that we got some extensive NBA and NBA finals chat in our episode this week. We do. With Kylie Chung. It's fantastic. It was really fun. And yes, we, we talk about the NBA Finals because we're recording this on Thursday night. Game one is tonight. But we also have a really good conversation around DeSantis, his attacks on abortion rights in Florida, and at large, how the Republican field is poised to further chip away people's rights for abortion and reproductive care. Uh, so... It's a mix of both. If you if you yeah. like basketball, you like the NBA, you'll enjoy this conversation. If not, just jump ahead to the political chat. This is what you're used to here. But no, no, don't jump ahead. I would as a, as a selling point. <laughs> Listen to it. <laughs> Listen to the sports talk. As a selling point, you should because the NBA is the most drama filled league. It's so much That's fun. Right. And I really appreciate that about the NBA. You're not going to get that in any other sport. It's like a soap opera and a sport. And we know the listeners are big soap opera heads. Of course. Yeah. No, it, it really was a great conversation with Kylie Chung. People are definitely yeah. going to enjoy it. The sports head and the non-sports head, like Jordan mentioned, there's some really great uh, conversation as well about DeSantis and abortion rights and these things. We really covered a lot of bases using another sports analogy in this episode. I would also encourage people to check out our previous, wow. yeah, our previous uh, bonus episode with Brett Ehrlich. That was also a good one as well. That was part of the paid intern feed. So if you are a paid intern or not, if you want to hear our previous conversation with Brett Ehrlich, it was really tremendous. Just go ahead and subscribe to the Insurgents podcast at theinsurgents.substack.com. Wait, wait, correction. Correction, Rob, we are now at insurgentspod.com because Twitter oh, limits nice. Substack URLs, so we bought a custom domain. Insurgentspod.com. Write this down. Memorize it. Yeah. Insurgentspod.com. Go there right now. Subscribe to the show. Become a paid intern. Get access to all of the benefits that paid interns get, which include, but are not limited to, a bonus episode every week. And that conversation with Brett was a blast. We talked about the right wing waging war against Target, Chick-fil-A, Milkbone, Bud Light, all of our favorite woke corporations in which the, those attacks were going to see increase and get more uh, aggravated as we go into Pride Month. More coverage of that, of course, the rest of this month uh, as we fight to defend our friends, our family members, our neighbors, our community members in the LGBTQIA plus community. But they are really going to zero in on the trans community because that's the right wing approach now. Good conversation with Brett and obviously more coverage to come on that front this month. Insurgentspod.com, just five bucks a month. That episode and every other premium episode we have done and will do. Absolutely. And uh, we got we got game one starting pretty soon. You want to bring on Kylie so we can get to that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. By the way, if you're not watching me on video right now, we are still an audio podcast, but you know, for those of you that are seeing the video clips or whatever, I am wearing my my Jake Sully avatar t-shirt now. Now I can now I not it's only can cool. I not only do I talk about avatar on this podcast and on Twitch streams, now I can support this franchise all the time just when I'm walking around. And I can look cool doing it. Like merchandise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just thought people would be interested to hear about that. Because I know Jordan as well uh, is a big fan of the franchise. Not and sure. 
you actually encouraged me to get this shirt. Nope, you were the, nope, you, have, nope, you nope. have to admit you sent me this. Let's link, get to let's like, get to our conversation <laughs> with Kylie. Let's get to our conversation with Kylie. I'm not I'm not tolerating this slander. <laughs> uh, Kylie Chung is going to be joining the show right after this. What are we thinking for the finals? Want anyone want to call it? I'm thinking Denver and six. I gotta say. Okay, interesting. Um, me. Okay, let me think. I could see it being six or five. It's like I think that they have like a huge advantage going into this for sure, just because they've had all the time off, and I feel like there's like a size difference, and I feel like the Heat are like exhausted. But I also, I'm prepared to sound really dumb, but I am kind of a believer in hate culture. I kind of am too, honestly, after this playoff. I was a I was a hater before, but now I'm kind of bought into it. Yeah. They just really have that grind set. They do. Yeah. No, there's no denying that. I. No, like when they even went into the Buck series, I was like laughing because I think I read this thing about how like Jimmy Butler said that they're going into it as like SEAL Team Six or something. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're probably they're going to get swept. And then like I think like the, there's Giannis had an injury, I guess, but like yeah, even when he came back, like they still got crushed. So yeah, after after that, I was just like, okay, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Heat culture is real, I guess. Uh, I maybe yeah. I maybe stopped believing so as much thinking, in heat culture with the whole comeback and everything uh, that happened with Boston. Yeah, but yeah. What about you, Jordan? What do you think? What's your pick? Yeah, no. So wait, Rob, you're you're Denver in six? Yeah, I do. I have really enjoyed this Heat run. Um, it's nothing would surprise me at this point if they did manage to pull this out. I'd be happy for my man <laughs> Kyle Lowry to get another ring. I'd be I'd be thrilled with that. I just think realistically. Um, Denver just had, I mean, they were, they looked so great in that LA series. Jokic looks like he's, it looks like he's playing like a created player in a video game with all the sliders maxed out. Like it almost seems unfair. And just anytime they faced any adversity whatsoever in that Lakers series, they've always, they've got a bunch of guys that can make shots and uh, perform at that level. So I wouldn't be surprised if they could do it. It's been an incredible run, but my, my head saying, my head saying, uh, nuggets take this one. Six. Kylie, you're what nuggets in five or six? Yeah, I think so. But again, I believe in heat culture too. So who knows? Yeah, I'm torn. I want Miami to win. I think I want Miami to win. I think Denver's going to win five or six. But just to just to be the odd person out, I'm going to make my official pick: Heat and seven. Oh wow! Oh my god! Okay. Interesting. I think I think they they're going to lose. They'll probably lose tonight. Game one, like Kylie said, they're exhausted. They just had really grueling seven game series against Boston. Very quick turnaround as Denver has been able to rest. They're going to be spent. I'd be shocked if they won game one in Denver, especially with the altitude. But (laughs) I do think they could recover. If they put, oh god, I want that so bad for them. I love the whole altitude thing. Like, is that real? Is that a real thing? For the athletes and stuff, do you really think it <laughs> affects been them there? that much? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> have you been there? Like walking around after a while is kind of exhausting. Yeah, you have to get used to it. I mean, I'm, I'm like that at normal altitude, so I don't know if that's <laughs> different. <laughs> you know, um, I yeah. think like no matter what happens, I'm just so relieved that they didn't blow that three zero lead because I feel like. The Celtics fandom would have just been oh, so insufferable. To, like I it would know. just drive me off of Twitter. I think if that happened. Yeah, I know. Um, I was. I've really been really enjoying the Celtics yeah. slander. I was really nervous that they were going to overcome and they were going <laughs> to avoid it. But I've been just totally immersing myself in all the in all the the hater. The, I'm in full hater mode now, which has been nice. No, Sam. Um, like literally we were just talking about like how like individually, like I love Tatum and I love Brown, but like, it's the fandom for me. That's just like, well, it's the fandom. And then it's also what the Celtics did to the Sixers. That makes it very hard for me. (laughs) Like I couldn't have supported them in that series in their series against Miami and also love Jimmy Butler, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. How do you Um, not? He's so likable. Uh, I really want to try his coffee. 
And <laughs> I heard about it and Coffee I thought, oh, this is just another athlete. This is just another. But yeah, I just thought initially it was another athlete doing a product to make money. And then he did a post with like the roaster that I get my beans from. And they're like a very serious roaster. It's called Onyx. And I saw him on on their Instagram the other day, and it's like, oh shit! And I looked at his, real his coffee, coffee and it's it's yeah. legit. He's like getting stuff from Ethiopia, and they're taking like they're doing like, <laughs> they're taking care of it. I just it's a little expensive, and I think part of it's that's the celeb factor, and the packaging looks crazy. But I'm so curious. I really want to try it. Oh my god. I only learned about his like coffee thing from like in the bubble. He like had like a yeah, coffee shop I... like in his room, and like it was just everything was twenty dollars in cash. <laughs> so it does sound like it would be on the price yeah, here. That was such a great story. That's I didn't realize he had expanded his coffee business after that. I only thought it was the a brief uh, bubble thing, the coffee <laughs> entrepreneurship. That for him. Yeah, uh, but Kylie Chung, staff writer at Jezebel and NBA Twitter extraordinaire thank you so much yeah. for joining us today we're doing a little bit of nba finals talk we're doing a little bit of desantis talk before we get into all of those important topics we have to some we have to ask you something that's even more important and we ask this of everybody kylie are you a gamer okay interesting well first thank you for calling me an nba twitter extraordinaire <laughs> i don't know if i deserve that but much appreciated um as for if i'm a gamer I, oh my God, it's so funny you asked that because like I, for a really long time, I was really serious about Candy Crush, like as like a 45 year old suburban mom kind of thing. Um, but then it's like, I was, no, like I was like really serious about it and like talked about being like an esports player because of like my, like I was a really high level, but then something tragic happened where like I had to get a new phone, like in like October because like I broke my phone and like, I guess like all of the progress that I I'd made was like saved locally and like oh, no. not with, like the account attached it anyway so then like That's so much of my progress was gone no it was so devastating and so like i was just so demoralized like i just couldn't pick it up again but to answer your question i would self-identify in that way but i do not think i would garner much respect in the gaming community sadly not in, in this gaming community <laughs> but, you would because we're we're but, having yeah. a, we're creating an inclusive space Okay, where people can be free yeah, to be gamers, no matter what, no matter what they're into, even if they don't play games, it's just more of a mindset, a mentality, you know. Okay, yeah, no, I definitely identify as such. Then, nice. I, in fact, like I love like to like because like a lot of NBA players like talk or like they just like a lot of them are like very online like game a ton, and I feel like that's how they like bond across different teams. So. Um, vicariously, I guess I lived through that. If you could, <laughs> if you could game with any NBA player, okay, who would it be? Mm -hmm. oh my God, so many thoughts. Okay, my initial thoughts are. Is it Ben Simmons? I yeah, <laughs> I think it's so funny that like, um, I think he used to stream. Like, I don't think he does that anymore because he has too many haters. So he yeah, can't do that. That would be difficult under but, those conditions. Yeah, like. <laughs> I just love the picture that's just like him like wearing headphones and he's like gaming and then it's like put alongside like this Fox News still that says the war on working and then it looks like he's like a guest on the show but he's just gaming um so yeah no he's definitely up there I think Joel Embiid too but I know that this pivotal moment in like the pandemic when like the pandemic became real was I think when like Devin Booker was like gaming and streaming. I might be misremembering this, but then I feel like he was doing that and something then like that's when he learned about like the games being like or like there was like a pause on like the games, if I'm recalling correctly. Oh, like he was streaming when he learned about yeah. the season suspension? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, it's funny when you see these young guys, they show up and they have a bit of a sluggish game. They look bad and you're like, I saw you gaming at 2 a.m. You got to get some sleep, Carl Anthony Towns or like whoever, Scotty Barnes, you know, um, I, you got to rest still. I feel like last year around like when, yeah, when like the trades or something were happening, like I feel like it was DeAndre Ayton, if I'm recalling correctly, who was like talking about like how he like stays up until 4 a.m. every day gaming and everyone was like yeah. why would he say this when like he might get traded or yeah yeah he had a whole like profile i remember they um, talked about his gaming skills yeah yeah um i also think like during that game this season when like donovan mitchell dropped like 
70 points. I don't even remember, like 70 points or something, like a ton. I feel like Kyrie Irving said something about how like he knew that he was going to have a good game because he was like, he like was really good on Call of Duty or something right before the game or something. (laughs) He was locked in. Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned mentioned Ben Um, Simmons. I must say. I think if I had to choose one. It would be bad, but go on. Well, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Ben Simmons. I actually did really enjoy when the the Sixers were losing in that game, and Harden had this miserable oh game to God. close out the series, and then he posted this Instagram oh photo God. of him watching the game with a glass of wine, like in the shot. I was like, oh man, that's so petty. Oh, I really God. appreciate that, actually. That was so upsetting <laughs> for me. I won't even lie. Like I was ta- like I was really. <laughs> I was like. That was really angering for me. And I love Ben and I've defended him through so much, like not playing or just like playing terribly, like, and just refusing to learn how to shoot. Like those are all things I can overlook or even like murdering someone. Sure. But like making fun of James Harden, that like, that really crossed the line for me. And that's, that was something I just couldn't look past. Like, I think it's, I, I don't know. I mean, with the stuff with him and the Sixers, I think it's interesting because like, there was this tweet at the time and it was like no, like between how things went down with him and the Sixers it was like I think everyone in this situation is wrong like Ben was wrong for like not ever trying to get better the Sixers were wrong for like throwing him under the bus <laughs> and Doc Rivers is wrong for being bald and having a hairline or something <laughs> like that and I just kind of felt like I do kind of agree with that because I think that you know, I think demonstrably, yeah, like you can point to a lot of things that like we've known he like Ben had to get better at for a while and then he just didn't. And then at the same time, I mean, if his like employer wasn't treating him great and he was going to withhold his labor, then that's something I support, obviously. But I think um, so. Yeah, it's like I think that there's a lot that I've been able to sympathize with for him. But like, I think com- Coming for James Harden, I feel like, is really where I would say I drew the line. You know, it it actually is kind of interesting because, like, the problems that he – the struggles that he had with, like, dealing with like, the, the nonstop criticism and, like, actually having that affect him, like, physically mm-hmm. and mentally. And the way that he – that was kind of framed yeah. as him being, like, soft or, like, you know, not – not a serious athlete or whatever, but like, that's a real thing. And I think it's kind of important that he was talking about that phenomenon, especially for young athletes that are dealing with this insane amount of pressure and the amount of money that's at stake and, and the way that they're the subject of this like nonstop kind of stream of really vitriolic criticism when things don't go well. Like I imagine that's really mentally straining. And like, I think it's actually important that he talked about that, but when he did, it's like all these people kind of like wagging their finger at him. Like you make all this money, like just shut up or whatever. But you know, it's, I can't imagine it's that easy to have. So when, when like a few dozen people are mad at me on Twitter for like some take or whatever, I'm get very upset. So I imagine if there was like a nonstop stream of like TV shows and sports radio and tweets and this endless stream of people being like, oh, fuck you. I hate you. That must be really, that must be really difficult to deal with. Even if you are a multimillionaire. Yeah, no, I completely think like, yeah, I think that there is just like, it was really, I don't know, there's so much to like unpack with all of that. And I think that there's obviously a lot of like oversimplification and that like it was, I don't know, there were a lot of like mental and physical components to all that. And then at the same time, there were a lot of really funny memes. And so there were, I, I participated it, in some of the hate myself. So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. land of contrast. But it's, it's interesting or it's just. Or there's like that photo of him when he's like at practice and it looks like there's like a phone in his pocket or something, even though he denies that was true. And then there's like this tweet that's like me at work on Fridays or something. And the phone thing was very funny. Um, yeah. Or there were just so many things that he says are like made up stories or like things that like got run away with in like NBA news. I feel like one of them was like he like was in the Nets group chat and they asked him to play in like the 2022 series against Boston when they got swept and they were like hey can you play or something and then like someone reported that he just left the group (laughs) chat or something and if he did like if that were real I would just like that would be incredible but he says it's not real yeah I don't know I do I would I absolutely will just always respect an anti-work king absolutely that's why I sided with him for so long (laughs) I don't know Um, On your point about how people treated him and talked to him and fans feeling entitled to 
harass, criticize, insult, whatever athletes. I just it's prevalent throughout all sports, and I think it's probably a lot worse in basketball because it's just, you're so like micro focused on just a few players, and there are really tangible things that you can point to. Like someone just shared the clip of J.R. Smith in the 2017 or 18 finals. Do you both remember? I think 2018 yeah, finals from the that game one. Yeah, the LeBron picture. Yeah. He the- grabs the rebound <laughs> off the free throw and runs the wrong way with the ball. Like He got so much heat for that and because, because it's, like, it's so tangible compared to so many other things in sports. And I just I, I I can't help but sympathize with these people who are already dealing with a ton of unnatural and unhealthy human behavior from people that they don't know who have developed parasocial relationships with them through watching these games or reading their tweets and that kind of stuff. Um, it's I it's just it's we see it of course in other industries, but in sports it's like the sports and like top tier entertainment it is the worst because people just feel oh well I like your team or I follow the team. I watch your games. I follow you. I consume your content. I watch your movies, whatever. I have a say in your life. We're also seeing with the fucking Taylor Swift relationship. Like who cares who she dates? These people are deranged. Like it's not your business. It's her personal life. It's so fucking weird. Like not, not to justify anything the guy said, but just like people acting like they need to take action on who she dates like it's it's not your fucking life leave leave these people alone they're humans at the end of the day no i think that's so interesting because it's like i'll see like tweets where it's like people like overanalyzing taylor swift's life or something and then someone like will like quote tweet it with like a link to (laughs) indeed.com it's just like you need to go do something else um no yeah the thread that got me Um, was like the 20 part thread from the the person who was talking about like how she was going to do better and how she was like reflecting on herself. And, and then ultimately it was basically like, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a good person here. I'm making this about myself, but keep an eye out for sequin romper pictures this weekend because I'm still going to the concert Swifties. And I'm also simultaneously holding the weight of having this ticket. Yeah, I just thought that was a really incredible, like, yeah. just <laughs> somersault of self. I'm acknowledging how bad this all is and how problematic it is, while still bending over backwards to still enjoy the thing that we're all, you know, you can just say nothing, you know, you can just, you don't have to do this. Just go, you know, that's just go I, to the yeah, concert and enjoy yourself. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Maddie Healy definitely seems like a kind of icky person. But, like, I'm just not gonna get. Very like I just don't think it's mentally healthy to get very consumed in like a celebrity's life, and I say that at the same time I have like a James like a tattoo of James Harden's number like his oh, crispy number on my finger. Like my parasocial <laughs> relationships with like NBA players are like so strong, but then at the same time I'll be like, you guys need to leave Taylor Swift alone. <laughs> I mean that's harmless. You're just a fan. You're allowed yeah. to be a dedicated uh... fan. I think it's when you start, yeah, getting deeply invested into people's personal lives and taking it to that level where it's like the person that's like who they're spending their time with all of a sudden is like affecting you personally. Um, Then I think that would be a problem. You know, it's like everyone can have parasocial relationships. I know some of our podcast listeners probably have parasocial relationships with us and it's totally healthy and it's fine. It's fine to have that. But if people were really oh, fixated so on like what's going on in our personal lives or whatever, doing big call out threads about that, maybe that would be a little strange, you know? It might be fun. Who knows? Yeah, or, yeah, or we yeah, could do I that. Mean, as, so. as we articulated, you're only allowed to have a parasocial relationship with us if you are a subscriber. So if you're That's right. part of our paid intern program where you subscribe <laughs> to the show, you're allowed to have a parasocial relationship. Yeah. And also, you're coming to my wedding, which is in the terms of service. Yep. Exactly. Oh, congratulations. When is that? Oh, we haven't set a date yet, but the interns oh, cool. will be the first to know. Yep. <laughs> Yay. Well, I think that's probably, probably covers it for sports talk. 20 <laughs> minutes. I mean, and the thing is about the, yeah, thing is about the sports so. talk that's is that enough. we talk about our audience. That's the main thing that they come here for. They love it. We always get reviews. More sports, please. Please. And so we're trying to deliver that yeah, for people. Yeah, we're trying to see yeah. if we can eventually we can just extend it the whole conversation. But. I know all the sports heads Gaming and, the, and, sports. and the I... listening now are really 
hyped about this? I think it's so interesting with like the nuggets and the heat that like I saw so much about how like if it ends up being these two, the ratings are going to be so bad. No one wants to see that. But I actually feel like it's such an entertaining matchup to me because like I find both teams to be so like I did not really pay attention to either of them in like the regular season, but like they've been so entertaining in the playoffs. And I feel like there are such because like I love the NBA for like the personalities and like the like characters and like all of that. And so like I feel like there's such interesting people on both teams and such like interesting storylines that like come with each of them. It's a weird thing to fixate on too. Like the f- whether whether this billion dollar uh sports organization is pulling in the ratings that it needs to. Like what why are you <laughs> as a fan like thinking about that at all? Oh, yeah. And like what do the people that make this argument are you so like, is will it just it not supposed be to be renewed? Is it just supposed to be like yeah, exactly. Do we just have the Lakers? and Celtics in the finals every year, I guess. Like, why don't we just do that every single year if that's the big thing that we're supposed to be caring about? Who cares? <laughs> the ratings are. Yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna be fine. The NBA is going to be okay. They'll get renewed yeah. at the upfronts or whatever it is. No, I think it's going to be a really entertaining series. And like, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's like, I'm a really big Joel Embiid fan. So there's a lot about how like the conversations around Jokic make me like really angry or like sad, <laughs> but it's just like, I do think he's such an entertaining person. Like his brothers making that Twitter account <laughs> where they like threatened to like kill some guy or something. Um, it's hard to believe that was just last year or something like that. And then just all the pictures of him, like riding, like, these tiny horse carriages as like this giant man yeah. or like his childhood pictures or like something how yeah like he's just so funny to me um and like whenever he plays basketball he just looks so exhausted and like reluctant but he's just like dominating but it's just like he just looks like he doesn't want to be there there's when you hear I know, I his teammates so talking about him it's so entertaining because they they when they when he was first in the league or whatever, people first meet him in training camp, and they're like, "Who is this guy? Like, is this? Well, he doesn't look like he's even trying." And it's like, "Oh, don't worry, just wait. <laughs> when the season starts, he's going to be good." And he just like completely like, yeah, just shows up, and he's out of shape, and he's like, "Oh, just like, oh, whatever." Barely even looks like he wants to be there, and then he just transforms into this like mutant throughout the season. <laughs> really just funny guy, incredible. And then I feel like. Yeah. And then Jimmy Butler, I feel like, I just feel like he's such a theater kid in like a non-derogatory way, but it's just like, he's just so like, he's really just performing and he just like, I don't know, his social media was just so funny throughout like the Celtics series. So I just feel like this is going to be a really fun one. Yeah. Really looking yeah. forward to it. It's, it's new blood. It's new, new teams. If it was yeah. the Warriors again, I would just tune it out. Oh my like, God. I, I would cry. I'm just so tired of Warriors in the finals. Like it's just partially because of... Cleveland bias. They just killed us so many years. I'm just, I'm over it. Yeah, I'm over I'm the so Warriors sorry. in general. <laughs> it's like, we got one. No, the Warriors, it's just like, I I love James Harden. I'm like a James Harden super fan. And so like when he was on the Rockets, I feel like there was, there were a couple of years where he really could and should have like won a championship, but the Warriors were a super team or like, just like I would categorize them as like a monopoly. And it was just like really, it was just very upsetting to see. So yeah, I would not have wanted to see them again for sure. Um, it's crazy because it's like last year when they were against the Celtics. This is really embarrassing to say, but I was really for the Celtics in that series because again, like I love Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Again, it's just like the fandom specifically yeah. that I can't stand, and it's what they did to the Sixers this year that I can't stand. But <laughs> I don't know. I I do love Tatum and Brown. Yeah, um, I I'm with you there. Tatum is such an uh, he's a fun player to watch. He can do it all. He puts up monster numbers night after night. He's extremely likable. And he's one of these guys. I mean, in a it's just sports at large is filled with a lot of sickos. And he's just, to my <laughs> knowledge, is a decent guy. And it's just like it's sadly refreshing when you have someone who's that talented, who isn't also outside of the game, like a psychopath. Like it's just it's just very it's frustrating and sad that that's, you know, kind of a rarity but it's a it's refreshing i guess and i'm acknowledging that that's grim but yeah it's i'd like that about him that he doesn't have any baggage i just yeah like he just seems like such like an aggressively normal almost like boring person who just like loves his kid and playing basketball but what i will say is like 
I do really enjoy the NBA because of a lot of the players being really weird or being like sickos, like outside of it. Like they're just so fun. like Josh Hart, like tweeting the other day, asking, like, <laughs> asking for a friend, have you ever drink, wanted to Incredible. drink your significant other's breast milk? I'm like, you're not getting this like in the NFL or like no, elsewhere. No. I kind of love that this happens all the time here. Oh. Or like, Kyle Kuzma just being like, I don't know, he and Spencer Dinwiddie like randomly going at it and him telling, like calling him like Din Shitty Island or something. It's just like, I just kind of, that's like why I'm here personally. Um, The most drama per capita in the NBA for sure. I'm just like preemptively upset that there's going to be no more basketball. I've gotten so used to watching like four hours of basketball a night now. I'm going to be so sad when the end, when the season's finished now. It'll be devastating. Okay, me too. But I mean, at the same time, I really enjoy the off season because in my mind, it's like, I kind of call it fan fiction season in my mind because it's just like when everyone is just like, like, it's just like a ton of like, really online straight men who like, in their minds, they'd never be on Wattpad or they'd never be on like these fan fiction websites. But like, what they're basically doing when they're like speculating about Damian Lillard, you are a Philadelphia 76 yeah. Like, they're literally just writing. They're loading up Photoshop like, post, and doing like, all the different jerseys. Like, Kevin Dur- yeah. yeah. Or like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've already seen some of like Kyrie Irving in like a Suns jersey or like Lakers jersey or something. Um, so yeah, I love fan fiction season. I think. I think this season's going to be really crazy, especially like as a James Harden fan. Like, I have no idea really what's going on around there. I'm actively kind of trying to avoid stuff for like my mental health because I would love for him to stay in Philly. And like, I feel like if he goes back to Houston, it's kind of just him admitting he's like giving up on ever trying to get a championship. And that would make me really sad. I just want to go hang out at the clubs in uh, Houston again. Honestly, (laughs) I love that era for him. Um, I love the statistical analysis I saw like in 2019 where it was like comparing his like performance in like a certain city to like the average rating (laughs) of like the strip clubs in that city. And like they found like a really strong correlation of him like performing less well when there's like when like the rating is higher or something. Uh, That was such a magical time. Love that for him. Yeah. We should get to uh, DeSantis as, 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 you know, this is something, yes. Kylie, you've been you've been tracking from one circus to another. Uh, DeSantis's campaign launch has just been rife with uh, gaffes and blunders. And uh, despite fundraising claims, I want to se- like separate the fundraising claim because they really tried to spin that as some historical. Yeah. And it is a lot. But also he's somebody who is courting you know, special interests, billionaires, extremely wealthy people like that. When you juxtapose that with a Democratic candidate and the the highest ever was actually Biden when I think he announced or when he won the primary. And then that's the next 24 hours going into the general. He had the highest haul ever. That's small. You know, certainly Democrats definitely take special interest money, corporate money, but also he was getting way more small dollar donors. Just by nature, Democrats get more small dollar donors than Republicans. Set, setting that fundraising hall aside, it does not seem like the energy is there for DeSantis like it is for Trump or some other Republican competitors. By nature, I, I or I think that's in part because he is such an extremely weird guy. And as somebody who, you know, you, you just talked about some of the weirdos in the NBA, you have expertise analyzing these types of people. What's wrong with DeSantis? Oh my god! Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, well, well, the game starts I mean, in forty minutes. Really... So, okay, yes, okay, we have time. Um, I mean, just like what really like viscerally stays with me is just his really weird laugh. Like, I'm sure you've like seen those like videos, and I'm just like, yeah, this is re-, or like this is just really odd. Or like the pictures of him just like standing next to people, and it's just like it looks like he just learned how to like stand like yesterday and like took a class or something so i think it's okay it's like obviously he's super weird but then like i think something i've really zeroed in on is just like i think the people around him and the people he chooses to be around him are also very odd in terms of like for one thing i mean you're not gonna beat the weirdo allegations if you like do your announcement with like elon musk who's like (laughs) the most divorced man like on the internet and like tried to like pay a woman like a flight attendant to have like sex with him by like offering a horse or something like he's just really odd his child is named after like like a robot or something so extremely uncharismatic like roll it out with like 
that guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's that. And then I also feel like a lot of people are like pointing out that DeSantis's wife, Casey, it's just like at these like really casual events, she'll just be dressed like in a literal ball gown and it just seems very odd and like off-putting. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then like last week I like did something on like, so DeSantis has like this communications aide named like Christina Pusha, I think who's like terminally online. And like, she was just like fighting it out with like a 16 year old Trump supporter on Twitter, like over like whether she has Botox, like, last week so i just feel like you know it's he's a very strange person and he's also clearly surrounding himself with some very strange people as well i am kind of enjoying the little like conservative civil war that's going on right now i saw i saw today like cat turd two of course the most important conservative <laughs> voice in in independent media today of cat course. turd two was saying like oh, I've been threatened and doxxed by DeSantis's team, and then they're all saying like, "What are you talking about? No, we didn't." And it's fun seeing these guys all getting mad at each other and these these weirdos. You know, you know, it's kind of enjoyable. No, it's so funny you mentioned Cat Turd doing that specifically because like I have this specific memory of like when I think BuzzFeed News shut down. He like tweeted about the announcement. It was like finally they get what they deserve after everything horrible they ever wrote about me. And then someone did like a Google search and like they never mentioned him once or something <laughs> like that. It was so interesting. He's such an interesting little guy. Um, well, yeah, I think that, like, to your point about, like, there being, like, a conservative civil war, I think just today there was something with, like, the Daily Wire claiming, like, Twitter was censoring, like, their pride. Like, they were... Yeah, they wanted to do super, that, like, that Matt Walsh transphobia. Like, what yeah, is thing, a woman? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting to see what's going on. And especially, like, Trump and DeSantis's feud as well, which I think DeSantis is just clearly not equipped for, like, at all. No, I mean, you um, saw that in the, the launch of the campaign when the Trump team immediately put out that like video yeah. with, with all the AI voices and <laughs> oh stuff. And it's just, it's like they're playing two different <laughs> games here. It's like, it's like an NBA player versus like a little kid oh playing T-ball or something like that. I don't know. I'm going to workshop that analogy, but it's just, it just seems um, like totally, like they're just totally not really prepared to deal with what Trump brings to the table in these kinds of like, in these kinds of battles. No, yeah, I, oh my god, that video was, oh my god, that video was so, like, I, like, I don't know, watching it through, it just got progressively, like, more and more insane, and, like, it just really highlighted that DeSantis cannot, like, he cannot compete with that, I really don't think so. No, the the putting fingers ad also I thought was hilarious it was just one of the best political ads I've seen in a really long time, and obviously I don't support Trump or believe him when he's running to the you know the left of DeSantis on social security um but uh the way they have been able to really break into the conversation with some of these attacks on him it's it's noticeable and you're getting like because they're funny and because they're so devastating you're getting a lot of like bipartisan boost online uh without much of a paid spend behind some of these things which from a campaign side that's that is huge it's already so hard enough to break uh, to break through organically um and that these things are landing and they're effective really speaks to just how mismatched it is between trump and desantis and desantis really wants to make his campaign around culture war shit and pander to an extremely online conservative base but that's just not going to materialize and we saw that we saw that strategy in his launch he wasn't talking about things like uh you know taxes he wasn't talking about things like the economy or inflation things that you know i think we all have different takes or you know what we think should be the solution to these problems republicans still care about these things and they're not he's not talking about them he's talking about trans people he's talking about guns which to an extent is popular on the right but like they already got what they fucking want like they already have what they want and he his culture war fights his attack on women and and people who can give birth in florida like that's what he wants to make his strategy around but even his strategy but even in other red states around the country they're rebuking that they're rebuking uh, attempts at abortion bans in uh, red states around the country kylie i know this is an area that you cover and write a lot about i mean what has 
how is DeSantis making his campaign around abortion? And do you think that's an effective national strategy? Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, like we've just seen from like the returns on like in 2022 that like, I mean, abortion is like, it's just extreme, like it's extreme and extremely popular, like abortion rights are an extreme are extremely popular among like, not just like democratic voters, but literally everyone. Um, and so, I mean, we're already just seeing like the, I don't know, just like the, the cost that like a lot of Republican candidates are like paying for like leaning into that. And I think we're already seeing like, even like ahead of like the 2022 election, there was just a lot of them trying to kind of like distance themselves or like be ambiguous about whether they support a national abortion ban, whether they support this or that. And I think even now, like the field of candidates is being a little like, I don't know, like kind of trying to not give like absolute answers around that. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see like, I don't know, like, I think it's really going to depend on like who Trump and like DeSantis are like talking to when it comes to like speaking on the issue. Cause like, I like, I don't know if they're pandering to like anti-abortion activists specifically, or if they're like speaking to the general electorate. Cause I think even just recently, I know DeSantis gave remarks kind of trying to distance himself, like not speak on abortion directly, but it's like, he signed like essentially a total abortion ban into law in his state. And like, yeah, that's deeply unpopular. And like the consequences of that are just really life or death. And like, you really can't run from that and like have to like, yeah, I mean like, we know the we know the electoral consequences of that. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how, I don't know, how direct or indirect they try to be around that. And yeah, I mean, I think recently like Trump commented on like fully taking credit for like Roe v. Wade being overturned. And then at the same time, he like had these comments where he said that he's going to like make an abortion deal that the whole country will love. But that just fundamentally doesn't work because like you yeah. people are going to be forced to give birth. And I don't think that that's something they'll be happy with. Yeah, it's either with. legal and available um, or it's not. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, I don't know. There just is this whole aura of just like a lot of like confusion and like misdirection and trying to like dodge direct answers around that because Republicans do objectively know how wildly unpopular and like harmful their bans have been. Like we see story after story of like all of these people nearly dying as a direct result of like, as a direct policy consequence of like, these laws. And so I think, you know, to the extent that like Republicans can, I don't know, fully, I don't know, like, I think to the extent that they can like, recognize how unpopular their stances are and like communicate that to voters in like, deceitful ways, I think is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, some of the absolute horror stories coming out of women that are struggling um, under these like extremely restrictive laws and bans that have been in place, it's like it's abs- the stuff of nightmares, you know. And this is not just happening in blue states uh, to liberal women, you know. It's happening all across the country, especially in these red states where the the bans are the most restrictive. And like, yeah, you have to imagine it's the kind of the, the fundamental question about this is whether you know both sides. It seemed like had used abortion basically as like a fundraising issue as a way to you know to build constituencies and get votes but it's like neither side wanted to ever take that big the final step of either codifying it into law permanently or eliminating it permanently and now that conservatives have done that it does you're seeing the the huge consequences for it and you you like you're pointing out it's immensely unpopular it's affecting millions of women around the country and absolutely horrific so yeah i think that's going to be an interesting thing to note about whether you know that that impacts them. I'm also curious about what what you think about this, because, you know, as usual, Democrats are going to run on this and they're going to campaign on abortion rights and talking about how conservatives will want to take away women's abortion rights, which is legitimate. But do you think there's something to the fact that this ban has gone into place under the Biden administration and not a Republican administration and that there has been a big failure to act on the part of Democrats for quite a long time now in terms of codifying abortion rights? Like, do you think that dilutes their argument at all about how they're going to protect these rights when they've very kind of specifically not done that to the point that it's it's gotten, you know, now? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, everything you're saying is like so important and like upsetting because it's just like for years now, I think there's been an issue even with a lot of Democratic lawmakers not even wanting to say the word abortion out loud. And you just get all of these euphemisms about like a woman's right to choose or like pro-choice or like or like just using plan supporting Planned Parenthood as like a stand-in for that when like a lot of abortion care is from like independent clinics and such. And so I just feel like it 
it's definitely been upsetting and like it's always upsetting and like disappointing to see that used or like kind of weaponized almost as like I don't know, it's like kind of held hostage, I feel, especially when, you know, like people are voting and like this happened. And so there's a lot of that like vote harder kind of like rhetoric and like narrative when it's like in a lot of these states where we're seeing abortion bans, frankly, abortion rights are overwhelmingly popular in these ostensibly red states. The problems are like voter suppression. The problems are are things like that where like, I don't know, these abortion bans are very undemocratically like instated because like they are very unpopular in all of these states. And so, you know, it isn't a matter of like not voting or like not making your voice heard. It's about like how these systems are really built to like disenfranchise people and like reproduce that dis- disenfranchisement. Yeah. And there's just in some states, while we have seen Republic or voters in Republican controlled states push back against these attempts to ban abortion through a bunch of deceitful measures, there are some people, well-meaning people who need reproductive care in red states who just don't, they just don't have the votes there. They can't just vote harder and they can't just keep showing up yeah. to elections. They still need federal intervention. I mean, my fiance, I talked about it before in the show. My fiance uh, lives in Texas at the beginning of 2022, needed to terminate a pregnancy. And this was after SB8 and found out four weeks into into it by that time while it was legal within six weeks all of the other requirements that they had on the books made it impossible so she had to travel to a different state but not everybody can do that and that's what that, that that's why this is so important that's why we need some sort of federal solution and when you have people running for president not just DeSantis but Trump's doing it Tim Scott all these people have expressed intent whether overtly or behind the scenes to to implement more draconian measures on abortion and behind the scenes they all want it they all fucking want it and it's 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 disgusting because we're see, like rob was saying and like you've covered kylie the, the, there are people who just need reproductive care in these states where we already have these measures where people are dying of all of these preventable causes because they had you know, a a miscarriage or because of complications with their pregnancy in a rational situation, in a rational world, they would just get the care that they needed, but they're just dying of things related to the pregnancy. It's just, it's, it's fucking disgusting. It's like we're living in the dark ages. Yeah. It's no, I think to your point about like, I mean, like even these bans that ostensibly have like exceptions for like these life threatening conditions, we see that in practice that just that simply can't like it's it's just it's not that simple because like you know what does it mean to like have your life immediately be threatened like do you have to like be on the brink of death before someone can like give you care like there's been like yeah. cases i believe like in ohio where like women who were pregnant and had can like cancer they couldn't receive cancer treatments until like they like could turn like they were no longer pregnant but they couldn't terminate the pregnancy because they technically weren't dying even though they literally had cancer and they can't get cancer tr- treatments while pregnant so they had to travel out of state for that care and i mean it's just really a matter of like um yeah i mean like you just you really it just it doesn't work in practice and like it really just amounts to just like it just fully amounts to state violence and like yeah yeah it's it's just i think the other thing is just like you know like even if let's say in a lot of these cases you know it's truly traumatic and like horrific and just so violent and cruel but then you know they do live and they do usually eventually get um the care but it's just like even if they do live i mean like i think some things that like medical experts have spoken to is just like you know you don't necessarily know how many like years might have been taken off of their life or like the long-term health conditions that they experience and it's all so avoidable and it's all just the result of like of of just like these like yeah literally these laws it's that mentally are traumatic as well and so like thoughtlessly and stupidly yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I've read stories about women that are like dealing with ectopic pregnancies and then it's, yeah, it's like, so it can yeah. be terminated once it's life threatening, but it's like, oh, it's going to be life threatening eventually, but it's not yet. So it's like this, biz- this yeah. fucked up bizarre process of like waiting literally until it gets to a point where now, okay, now it's, now I'm ill enough that now it, I qualify to deal with it. And like, it's like waiting until your, your life is being threatened. It's so disturbing to, 
and I, this is just happening like all across America. It's it's really kind of unfathomable to think about. Yeah. And like, I also think there's just like an important conversation that I feel like has come up with regard to like the responsibilities of like hospitals around this. Cause obviously it's like in a lot of states where this is happening, it's like the abortion bans in place are like, they threaten, like if you provide abortion care, you're threatened with like prison time and such. So obviously that's like a very alarming and like discouraging factor. But then I think there's also been a lot of like, um, you know, like fair and important criticism of these hospitals that do have like maybe extensive, like legal support, like legal resources and financial resources not being willing to like incur risk to themselves to like save pregnant people's lives and so i think that there's like a lot of important i don't know there's just a lot of like hugely complicated and like important conversations that stem from all of this um but yeah well we know you'll be we know you'll be covering them um and we thank you for your work and we thank you for joining us kylie where can people Find you, follow you online, see your MBA tweets, and also follow your reporting. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, on Twitter, I'm my at is Kylie T. Chung. Um, but yeah, and I do share my work and my very unhinged and upsetting MBA thoughts there. So yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Kylie. Thanks, Kylie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.